I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 11. The servant of the Lord. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength, he says. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That is what the Lord says. The Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servants of the rulers, kings will see you and stand up, princes will see you and bow down, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Restoration of Israel. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritance. To say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. And I will turn my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up. The word of the Lord. Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. Now, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. And then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. 
I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. The word of the Lord. I love this psalm. And that first verse really touches me. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Waiting can be hard. (laughs) Waiting patiently can be harder still. And as some of you know, Brant and I have had a lot of waiting lately with health concerns for our sons, water damage to our home, We've been waiting for insurance claims, contractor schedules to open up, doctor's reports. Waiting for resolutions, but the resolutions have been very slow in coming. And I've cried out to God numerous times regarding these issues. And I love the image presented in that first verse. God inclined to me and heard my cry. He inclined to me. He leans toward us. He listens. And he draws us up from whatever pit we slip into. And he places us on that firm foundation of his love and of his presence. You know, in the midst of our recent trials and others before, I've often been surprised at that truth that David stated in this psalm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. The next reading is John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. John testifies about Jesus. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from the heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John's disciples followed Jesus. And the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he he replied, and you will see. And so they uh, went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
Loving God, we give you thanks on this day for all the gifts that you give us, especially the gift of discernment. Lend us your spirit so that we can discern your loving heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, I love to tell a story. I've told it before. I'll tell it again. I'll tell it again and again. But when I was in Belfast, Northern Ireland for a year, I lived adjacent to a pub. And at this pub, it was a great joining place where nationalists and loyalists would all come together. It was a middle-class neighborhood. And uh, it was a great place to hang out and meet different kinds of people from all walks of life because it was a safe pub, um, which is ironic because it had been blown up about seven times. Um, Britain had a, a deal where they basically said politically, if any building gets blown up, we're going to build it bigger and better. And so this pub happened to get blown up uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning about seven times for insurance purposes, we think. Uh, but anyway, it was a lovely place to be at, and I would go and I'd meet people. And one time, my brothers came over to visit me, and my older brother is very with it. He gets people, he knows people, but in this case, he just didn't get it. He just didn't see the context. He, he just didn't get it. And so we're sitting there at a, at a table, and it's around 11 o'clock at night, and there's some guys there with some really heavy accents. They come from a poor neighborhood, a nationalist area in Belfast, and they're carrying baseball bats. Okay, anybody carrying a baseball bat at 11 o'clock at night is probably not a good thing. This is around 1994. The troubles were still happening. And my other older brother engages them and says, Hey, you play baseball? <laughs> I'm like, Mike, no, Mike. Anyway... It makes me think about baseball. What's that one great line uh, you know, Tom Hanks said? There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. Like, you know, sometimes it makes me think about sometimes we don't have things in context. We don't have things in God's perspective. This weekend, some people do not have things in God's perspective. What is this weekend called? Martin Luther King weekend, right? Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And we're having to ban baseball bats from parades. We're having to ban baseball bats. This isn't because people love to play the American game of baseball and have apple pie. This is because people want to hurt each other. These are people who want to put down other people. This is not good. Jesus is not about baseball bats. Making people believe a certain way or look a certain way or act a certain way or marry a certain way. No, that's not what God's love in Jesus Christ is about. God's love is so gracious and generous. What we are called to do as we think about Martin Luther King Jr. is to think about some of the context of his life. What's his famous sermon that that you you have to watch if you're uh, a, a preacher? What's the famous sermon that we hear when we're in history class? Let, I have a dream speech. 1963, right? I have a dream speech. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I was reading a book about a preacher, a homiletical preacher, who was having his students watch this uh, speech, hear this speech. And he asked them at the end of it, this happened about five years ago, he asked, you know, where did, where did MLK, where did he get these words? And some people thought Shakespeare. Other people thought maybe somewhere in the Bible. They didn't know that it came from the prophetic tradition, that it came from a particular prophet named Amos. 
where Amos is lifting up that that people who are worshiping God supposedly are also not practicing justice. And if you're not practicing justice, then you're not really worshiping God, is what Amos is saying. Well, we sometimes, when we lose this larger context, we, we are not in touch, I don't believe, with God's Spirit. On this day, we're called to put it into context, to let the Scriptures read our lives. And we had three different people come up from, from, from their experiences and to share uh, what they heard in these scriptures. That's what, that's what we're called to do in our lives. Not to proof text, not to make an argument, but to have the scriptures through the Holy Spirit read our lives. And in so doing, I believe we encounter Christ. That's what we're going to do at this table. I'm not going to give you a you know, sermon or a lecture or theology on what happens when we come to this table, but something's happening. Something good is happening when we're gathered around in music and piano when we're gathered around these waters of baptism and, and, and preaching and celebrating that everyone is a child of God, something happens when we come and we live out that justice, when we live out and embody the Scripture in our lives. So often, we don't want to embody the Scripture. We're looking for proof text. I want to just share one word. This is a, a word from um, Methodist, uh, uh, a preacher, yay sunny here, her tradition. Uh, uh, Methodist... Bishop Kenneth Carter, he said, it's much easier, it's much easier to argue about evolution and creation than it is to live as though this is God's world. Right? Or debating whether a great fish really swallowed Jonah, it's far less costly and risky than acknowledging that God loves our enemies as much as God loves us. Carter hits home. He hits it home. We'd rather talk about these smaller things than talk about the big themes of God's love for us. And God's big themes that come down in our lives of are we loving our enemies? Are we turning the other cheek? Are we practicing justice in our lives? So much often it comes that we, we don't, we don't, aren't willing to put our character at risk. We aren't willing to put our own understanding of ourselves at risk. Rather than we want things, you know, sugar-coated to make ourselves feel better, and to make other people the bad guys. The story, the story of Jesus Christ, the story that we're going to celebrate around this table is a question. Are you open to God's transformation? Are you open to God's love? To be open to that love means that you got to love the other people around you and hope that they experience that love in the same way that you do. You gotta be open to that transformation just as much as that transformation might encounter your enemies. Let us on this day stand and, and come forward and, and all are welcome if you, if, if you, if you love God, if you love Jesus, if, even if you know, know who Jesus is, if you just love, come to this table. All are welcome. All are loved by God. Amen. And amen. tired and so weary, but I must go alone till the Lord comes and calls, calls me away, oh yes, well the morning 
so bright and the lamp is alight and the night night is as black as the sea oh yes there will be peace in the valley for me someday there will be sadness, no sorrow, no troubles I see. There will be peace, peace in the valley for me, oh yes. Well, the bear will be gentle, and the wolves will be tame, and the lion shall lay down. Down by the lamb, oh yes And the beasts from the wild Shall be led by a little child And I'll be changed, changed from this creature That I am, oh yes There will be peace in the valley For me someday There will be peace in the valley for me, oh Lord, I pray. There'll be no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble I see. There will be peace, peace in the valley for me, oh yes. There will be peace, peace in the valley for me